I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, James, uh, we are back for another edition of the podcast. There's lots, like L-O-T-S in capital letters to talk about, right? Yeah, I was looking and our last show was four games ago, a little over a week ago, and yeah. uh, it feels like there's been uh, it's been a whole saga that has played out since we last recorded, so um, I'll let you direct where you think we should start. Well, so let me let me start off by saying we would like to do the podcast like twice a week and kind of cover ourselves because there's so much to talk about all the time. But it just it, it's really difficult with the schedule. Like it would be nice if it was like an NFL schedule. Where it's like the games are this day, the games are this day, but the games are different days every time. So we we've struggled to kind of figure that out. So we're in once a week mode. We're doing the best we can. Um, but I think given the way their last game went against Tampa on Monday night, they come back, they win the game. We'll start with some positives because there's been a lot of negativity around the team, deservedly so, uh, with the way things have gone. Uh, I think we have to start with Matthews. Uh, 13 goals in 12 games. Mm -hmm. He's just like, he has won them single-handedly kind of two, three games. Put them, like he put them back in that game against Buffalo. They ultimately lost. He brings them back against Tampa. He brings them back against Montreal. Uh, What are you noticing about Matthews as a scorer, I think right now. Well, it reminds me of the year when he won the Hart Trophy. This is what he looks like. He looks like he he's he's on a heater for sure. Twenty three percent shooting percentage. Um, he's finding the net a lot. He's generating a ton of chances. Um, you know, and 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 people are finding him too. I mean, he's only got five assists with the thirteen goals, so. Um, he's going for like the Cy Young <laughs> award with it's all goals and not for many assists. Um, I think he looks incredibly confident. You know, 
an observation is that I mean the Leafs look like a different team when he's on the ice versus when he's not on the ice. Like that's yeah, it's a really good point. They 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 take over the game when he's out there, and when he's not, you're kind of waiting for him to be out there again to make to impose his will on the game. And I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, like they they go down four to one. Uh, again, I was going to say Buffalo. They go down four to one against Tampa. The games are blending together already. Um, and then the, they, the comeback starts and Matthews gets his second goal and he's just trying to pump the crowd back up. And I saw after the game, he said, I didn't want them to go to sleep just yet. Um, but it was, you could see just kind of like the look on his face, the determination and kind of just like willing his team back into, into a game that it looked like they were just going to get smoked in. Like that first period was, was not good for a number of reasons. I was surprised Sheldon Keefe said that he thought that they played okay in that period, but I, I don't know, like some bad penalties and bad goaltending and bad penalty killing. Yeah. It wasn't people, I'm sure we're going to get into this. People were blaming. It wasn't all Samson off that start. Like the team was, they were really flat other than like right off the bat when they get that goal. But, no. um, yeah, no, Matthews is, uh, it's interesting too, like McDavid's off to such a tough start. Like who would have ever predicted this would have happened? Like if, obviously it's early and McDavid can still get hot, but you know, it feels like it's pretty wide open right now in terms of leading the league and scoring. And I mean, where, where, where even is McDavid on the scoring leaders list? Like he's, it's, it's, it's super interesting. So, you know, it could be a battle between some different types of players it's it's still so early but you know it could be jack hughes matthews Pedersen's having a crazy start kutra's having a really good start panarin's playing well really well in in new york uh pasternak um i wouldn't bet against mcdavid but it just feels like it's there again for matthews if he can keep this up yeah mcdavid's got 10 points this year he's not even on like the first page of leaders on the uh on NHL.com on scoring leaders. He's not even in the top 50 in scoring right now, which is, which is hard to believe. Um, but yeah. And, and Matthews is so far ahead of everybody else in goals. So he's, he's already building a lead. He's, he's had slow starts in the past, right? Like it seems, I, I can't remember. Has there been another year where he's just like blown the doors off right from the start scoring goals? I mean, during the 60 goal season after, 12 is it 12 games he had six goals so it, it wasn't like this i think what you're talking about though with the mvp like the mvp in hockey is always a bit it's a it's an interesting conversation it's a little bit different from other sports but what you're talking about is very mvp ish like the team when he's not out there just is kind of been mad i mean neilander's really cooled off Tavares has cooled off like he's he's driving them and and to your point about the goals these are the goal leaders in the NHL right now tell me what you think of this list and we're recording this on Tuesday morning so this will change obviously uh Matthews has 13 Brock Besser has 10 DeBrincat Konechny Vitrano Pasternak Kucherov 9 uh Brady Kachuk Sam Reinhart Tevu Teravainen yeah, Chris Kreider all with 8 yeah the, it's I mean, like, it, it, the standings themselves are weird are, the standings are weird this year. Like they're weird group, sort of. Like, I wonder. 
I mean, again, it's early, so like things can change and whatever. But I, it feels like there's going to be a couple weird teams that make the playoffs and a couple weird teams that miss the playoffs right now. Well, I mean, obviously, it's not looking good for Edmonton. Um, I mean, no, we're not. We're not. We'll, we'll see with some other teams, like what happens. Um, but kind of transitioning off Matthews, uh, one of the changes we saw from the Leafs in that game on Monday night was they moved Matthew Nyes up to the top line. He just like there's something about him where. It's like you put him with better players and he just looks better. I don't know if it's that's too simplistic, but it just really looked like they put him up there right away. He looked comfortable and he hadn't really, he'd had kind of a rookie-ish start to the season. Like aside from that Tampa game, he now has six points in two games against Tampa, but I just thought he looked like the right fit for that line. What did you think? I think with him, he's not, you know, there's always been talk about can he drive a line, and I think I think Babcock started that talk when he came in. Can can guys drive their own line, and that's not what Matthew Nyes is, and I'm not sure that that's what he's going to be. But I think I what he, he's a really good like facilitator. He's real. I I, I love the way he plays um, on the forecheck along the boards. Mm-hmm. He's 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 got his size. He's got long arms and a long stick, and he can get in. He's he's such a disruptor in the offensive zone. He's really good at turning pucks over. I don't know what the official number is on turnovers for him, but he's um, and and he's got good enough hands that he can kind of make chicken salad out of like a messy play in front of the net or along the board. Chicken shit, James. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he um, now we're getting we're going to get the explet expletive. Uh, That's what I want. It's like I want that sticker on the the CD that says well. You got it. Whatever it said. You got nice. It. You got Go it. ahead. Um, but he's a really good facilitator with good players, as you said. And I think the things that he does, like turning over pucks and being hard on the forecheck and being in the right place. And I mean, the pass he made on the one Matthews goal was really impressive, too. So it's not, I'm yeah. not saying he doesn't have skill. Um, I'm just saying that he might, he might be one of those guys that's just like more when he's got some stars to, to play with. You know, he's, he's just, the other team has a hard time containing him, it seems like, and getting him on a line, one of the few Leafs lines that spends a lot of time in the offensive zone, I feel like makes a lot of sense. And he's going to help the cycle for Matthews and Marner. And I hope it lasts because it was, it's there, it's a lot of fun to watch those three together. I mean, who would have ever thought Jonas that the Leafs, uh, two thirds of their top line would have two guys that were from Arizona playing together. <laughs> it's a sign of the times in the NHL. So Matthews is up, or sorry, uh, Matthews. Matthew Nyes is up to uh, three goals, seven points, twelve games. Um, he's still not like he's only got he's only got twelve shots on goal. Like they need to get him more involved and more. They just need him around the net more. And I think that obviously playing on that line is going to help. And the other great thing, too, that I really liked about the game is is the way that Yarncroc went down the lineup and played really well and was a key factor in the game. And Sheldon Keefe said after the game that, you know, Yarncroc had played well on the top line with Matthews and Marner. And, you know, there was a concern maybe he would be a little bit disappointed naturally with being moved off that line and being put on the third line. And Keith said Yarncroc was like, no problem, I get it, we're losing games. And then he goes down on the uh, third line, scores a couple huge goals, and um, you know the Leafs finally had some secondary scoring in that game. 
Well, I think a lot of what you talked about with Nyes is what Yarncroc lacks. And I think that's like, he's, he's fine there. Like he's like, I don't know, like he's like the vanilla scoop of ice cream when you get like two other really like well, exciting shot, flavors. Like, he's, like his shot is really good. His shot's good. He works hard. Like he can forecheck, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have what you're talking about with the playmaking. Like he, he doesn't make those kinds of passes that, that you mentioned with Nyes. And you, and you saw in the one goal, I don't even think he got credit did he get credit with a point where he's standing in front of the net like that was the kind of thing that that bunting did really well like he was just always around the net and kind of causing havoc and i think that opened up stuff for for matthews and marner uh as well as like forcing turnovers and that kind of thing yeah good point i mean that the one matthews goal could have easily been his right if it even if it like ticked yeah. off his leg or whatever yeah and so like that like yarncock just he just doesn't have that kind of ability in, in both those respects and so i'm with you like i kind of think it makes i mean they do, the, the problem is like they just don't have a, a lot of options they thought they would have options but like how many wingers is that that they've now gone through on that line so they started with bertuzzi that didn't work they went to i guess yarncroc would have been next they tried neander there briefly like they've just domi's not gonna to, gonna play there obviously like they they're kind of they kind of need him to be the guy um, because the other stuff just hasn't really worked. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned the secondary scoring like that. It's funny, like they, they, after that game in Buffalo, James, like they had scored enough goals to be a good team. They've given up too many. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like both things can be true. Secondary scoring can be an issue, but scoring hadn't really been the problem. It's they're giving up too many goals. Yeah. 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 But we don't. We can. We'll transition into some of the concerns. But Yarncroc scoring is important for them. Scoring is high in the NHL right now, Jonas. Like the the Leafs are are eleventh in in goals per game right now. Like it's not like they're like lighting the world on fire with how much they're they're scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fair. They they have their goal differential is zero right now. So yeah, it's not great. Their record's like better than their goal differential would tell you it is. So they're they're eleventh in goals for, and they are twenty first in goals against. So I think you're right that the goals against is a big problem. But I, the reality is is that Matthews is not going to be able to score like this all year. Like he's not going to get ninety three goals or whatever he's on pace for. Or will he? <laughs> huh? He's he's gonna break Gretzky's record. Is what that- do you think the right yeah, what do you think the right over under number is for him right now? Like if you had to set it, you were working for one of the books. It's like high sixties for sixty point five? No, 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 no. Like like the high oh, like higher. Like yeah, like sixty six, sixty seven. I think that's the right like that's where that's where he's headed right now. I mean assuming he's healthy. Knock on wood. So I'll put the line James at sixty five point five. What are you taking? Uh, I think he's going to get over 60 for sure. Yeah. But st- I said 65.5. Oh, sorry. I think you said 60.5. Uh, Slight under? Yeah. That's prob- a lot of Probably. Goals. That is a, but I, that's, his shooting percentage is high, but it's not like ridiculous. It's not 30%. Not ridiculously high. It's not. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be right in that 60, 65 range. Yeah. All right. Anything else uh, on the positive front that you uh, want to talk about from that game, <laughs> or just in general? That's, that's going to be the end of thirteen minutes into the podcast. We're going. That's going to be the end of the positive corner of the. Let me see. Let me think. Uh, you know, Joseph Wolk comes in and plays well. Uh, Simon Benoit has a, a decent. You know who's looked decent good, debut? surprisingly is Legison has been 
He's been fine. He's been yeah, surprisingly, like, he looks like a solid third-pair guy. I liked him in the uh, Tampa game, stepping up with, with the shot. Um, he just looks like an NHL defenseman. So I don't remember watching him a ton in Edmonton. I know he was kind of a fringe guy there. But, you know, when you have so many defensemen hurt um, or not playing well, you need some other other people that you can go to. And... um. They really need. I mean, they're playing like their eighth and ninth defenseman right now. In- well, like, how's this for interesting in terms of like ice time from that game against Tampa? So this is how the D went. So Riley plays twenty five and a half minutes tops. Brody plays twenty three. Mark Giordano just under nineteen. Mm-hmm. John Klingberg eighteen minutes. Then you have Lagason at like sixteen, uh, and Benoit at like fourteen forty one. So like the the Klingberg minutes are are not what you would think they would be when they're missing. Yeah, but I mean, but they can't play him in like a lot of these situations. Like there was a moment in that game last minute uh, against Tampa. I guess the score was tied at that point. Defensive zone draw, and instead of Klingberg for the defensive zone draw, they put out Lagasin with with Mark Giordano. Like they just don't as they should. trust him as they as they should. Well, I mean, yeah. how many minutes did Klingberg play against Buffalo? I think he played twenty five minutes against Buffalo. On Saturday. Yes, he did. And he played 25 minutes in Boston. And the game was on his stick with the goalie out in that Buffalo game. Like, the play he makes, he just shoots it right into a guy. I, I think it hit the player in, like, the chest or something, and then the game's over. And it's like, what, like, what on earth are you doing? I mean, I was... I'm not, I don't, I'm not even cheering for the Leafs, and I was yelling at my TV on that play. Like, it was just, like, ridiculous. All right, let's take a break, James, and then we'll get into some of the concerns, including Klingberg with the roster. Is that okay for you? You're good with that? That works for me. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll dip into the other side of the pool. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Uh, So heading into that Tampa game, it felt pretty tense around the Leafs. I mean, you lose four straight. That's what's going to happen. Uh, we have not talked about uh, response gate, the whole hullabaloo about what happened in Boston. Obviously, Timothy Logan goes out uh, with a high ankle sprain. That's not good news. Uh, then they don't really respond in any kind of way in the Buffalo game, which was concerning. I think, I mean, you and I have been talking about this constantly on Slack and, and everything like that. So this is not new for us. But the roster just isn't making a ton of sense. And so my concern heading into that Tampa game and just like looking ahead 
is I don't know what is supposed to be so much better for this team. Like, obviously, if Matthews is scoring two, three goals every game, they're going to have a good chance to win. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I would be, if I was in that front office, I would be pretty concerned about the way the roster is is shaping up. What about you? I mean, we it, it feels like beating a dead horse at this point, Jonas, to be honest with you. Like, just talking about the offseason they had, and I don't think anyone wants We're this. 12 games into the season. It has to be. Yeah, I know, but I don't. But we've been talking about it since like July one, like that we didn't. Yeah, but now, James, we have evidence that it it's not working. So let's talk about what isn't working and what they can do. Let's start no, with what isn't working. What I was going to say is that it, it's hard not to keep going back to the well that they don't they don't have the right pieces in place. And you know, I remember. Well, let's talk about why. I remember you're you're sarcastic today all right we, we, we <laughs> it's 12 games into the season you're like no nah, we shouldn't talk about the roster I didn't say that. Like, okay I didn't go say ahead that. i said it's like groundhog day talking about the same thing over and over again it's november 7th we have to talk about it i remember you know when they when the leafs signed bertuzzi and domi i think it was july yep. july 3rd july 4th something like that a couple days after the start of free agency they were right at the cap uh, they didn't have room to do anything else, you know. And I remember I wrote that there were three possibilities for the lineup looking at what they had. Number one was these pieces aren't going to fit together and it's going to be a problem. Number two was they are going to fit together and, and the Leafs have, are, have, have I'm wrong, and, and they've, they've put together something that is going to work and make sense. Or number three, they're not done with this roster yet and there's going to be a trade or some other big move that's coming. Well, it wasn't number three because they didn't do anything else. Like the, the the roster is what it was on July third, July fourth. Um, number two that this was going to work really doesn't look like the thing. I think that that we didn't predict Jonas is like how much Bertuzzi was going to struggle. Yes, and good how call. how much Domi was going to struggle. You know, we thought at the very i we thought at the very least there was going to be some secondary scoring there offensively it seemed like they were going to be fine uh and they were going to be worse defensively than last year that that's the way that this team was shaping up coming into the year um but i don't think you know they spend eight million on bertuzzi and and domi and they're they're not getting eight million of value out of those two right now that's for sure bertuzzi has one five on five point this season zero goals uh max domi has four five on five points zero goals uh I'd never, I thought like the expectation for Domi offensively had probably been a little higher than it should have been after last year. Like he was playing so much. He was never going to get that ice time here. He wasn't going to be on the first power play. Like that, he was going to be like a 30, like I figured like a 30 ish point player. I think we talked about at one point. But the Bertuzzi one is like the big one. And it's just like, what do you think is going on? Like, do you just think he's not comfortable? Do you think the, like the injury might be, part of this or should be yeah, part of this yeah i also think that like he knows that it's not going great i'm sure he's getting asked about it all the time i don't know him really well like as, as a person i haven't been around him that much in his career i haven't been around the red wings a lot but i don't know he seems like the kind of guy he's, he seems like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and it feels like you know things aren't going well and i don't know i wonder if like it seems like maybe his attitude with like things not going well is is hasn't been great right now lately. Well, I think that the the attention here is just different. Yes. So like you do that like there is zero zero percent chance that 
what happens in Boston where the video of him smiling on the bench with Marchand. It's going to become a thing. He's right? never, yeah. it's going to become a thing here, but in Detroit, like it's never a thing. No one's asking about it. And it's just like, he just doesn't, to me, seem comfortable with the level of attention. He didn't seem comfortable playing with Matthews and Marner. Like they played almost, I think their pace was just too much for him. Um, But like there was that one game against Dallas where it's like, oh, there he is. Like that's, that's the guy I thought they were getting. Like where, I was thinking about it after, and it's like he's kind of like when he's playing well, he's like a bit of like a bowling ball, just like crashing yeah. into the pins, and like, and you just don't see that a, a ton. Like he's had moments since then, but that's the one I think you, I think you nailed it. Like of all the the additions that they made and changes that they made, that's the one you would have been like, yeah, that guy will be fine. He'll score twenty goals, he'll have 50, 60 points, and like it, it is he going to get like how many goals is he going to score this year? Now, like. The number has to be, be what? I don't know. Is he going to get, is it over 15? Is he's, it 20? He's really struggling. He's really, if people didn't see it, uh, Justin Bourne did a piece. I don't know if you you even saw it, Jonas, but uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday on Bertuzzi. And it was just, well, a lot of clips, the way that, that Justin's really good at. And a lot of clips of misplays that Bertuzzi was making with the puck. And they're bad. Like, it's like it direct turnovers. And it's it's the kind of stuff that that's why Sheldon Keefe is, is pushing him down the lineup and putting him on the third and fourth line because he feels like he can't trust him. He feels like he's turning the puck over and making the wrong play. And he's not generating hardly anything on the other side. Like, how many, how many shots on yeah. goal does Bertuzzi even have? Like, he's just not really a factor in the game. 24 and 12 games. You know, he's, I don't know. You just don't notice him. You watch a lot of games and you don't notice him. You know, like he's got as many points as Mark Giordano right now. Yeah, that's that's alarming. And and I mean, if you go back to his years in Detroit, uh, so that 30-goal season, he has 30 goals, 62 points, and 68 games. He's also playing 20 minutes a game. Um, shot 16.7%. So like, and he's around the net, so that makes sense. But he's down to fifteen forty one with the Leafs. He's like he's not playing as much. The power play stuff, like he would have been number one power play yep. in Detroit. He's not obviously here. I don't know. Like I, I wonder at what point, and I think that's an interesting conversation with a lot of these guys. At what point do you decide? You know what? This isn't working. Like we got to figure something else out. Maybe we have to. Like I, I, it's too early for that. But it's like if this continues for another. 10, 15 games, then you got to start thinking like, is this going to turn around? That's like five and a half million was a pretty good chunk of their available cap space and they're getting like essentially nothing from it. Like, I don't know what you can do, but I wonder what else they can figure out to get them going and if not, like what's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, he was their big bet this off season in terms of what was going to happen up front and it felt like a good bet. Like he's a good player. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for a few games with, with the injury and everything. And it's interesting when a player can't play with Matthews and Marner, it like, it really stands out. You you can notice it relatively quickly. That yes. Be- yes. So. Like, remember Nick Ritchie? It was just like, oh my God, this guy, there's no, this guy can't play with these guys. He He's not nearly good enough. Well, I mean. Now I knew that going into the season, like I never thought that, that was going to work, but like, it was like, oh my God. This kind of reminds me of Nick Ritchie, right? So the question is, like, is Bertuzzi going to be the kind of player who can go through the kind of adversity that he is and the attention in the market 
getting dropped from the first line, not playing on power play one, not not producing. It's pretty clear that the that Sheldon Keefe's not happy with Bertuzzi. So the question is, it can go it can go two ways with him, right? Like it, either he can persevere yeah. and figure it out, or maybe he's going to be maybe it's going to be like a Nick Ritchie or a Tyson Berry situation, and it's just like it's just not going to work out for him here and they need to change something and it's too early to say that that's what's going to happen but it feels like it the table is set where that might be what happens here where he doesn't like it here he doesn't fit in it doesn't turn around and go his way and uh i mean we'll we'll see i just i haven't really seen a lot from him where he looks like a five and a half million dollar player well, and especially like if you contrast him to the guy he was replacing and Michael Bunting, who started well in, in Carolina, got a three-year contract, not making as much this year as Bertuzzi. And like at, to your point before, like he just like instantly, it was like, oh man, he fits with these guys. Like he fits with Matthews and Martin. Now, obviously he had some other issues, penalties, you know, his emotions got the best of him quite a bit. Well, but I mean, Bertuzzi's taken lots of bad penalties. Like he's, he's, and he's not drawn any. Like that's that was the the other thing with Bunting. Like at like at least he was taking a lot of penalties, but he was also drawing a lot of penalties. So he was creating power plays. And Bertuzzi, I mean, he was Bertuzzi was supposed to bring you the the good noise that Bunting brought, but without all of the the other stuff. And he hasn't brought that even. So yeah, I don't know. I, the problem is James like. With when you look at some of the other players, so if he doesn't fit in your top six and Domi doesn't fit in your top six, it's like, well, mm, I don't know how this works. Like, did you did you like Domi playing third line center? Like, obviously, this is not something that they wanted to do. Clearly, like it's like the fourth, the fifth option. Well, do you remember like when they when they signed him, the lineup that I put together had Domi at at third line center. I thought they would need to do it just so that they would have another a third line that could produce offense. Like, right. I you know when when I looked at it it's like okay Camp can't be your third line center if you have Reeves on the fourth line so someone's got to be your third line center why don't you create a really sheltered third line that's just there to produce some offense um you know and 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 Roberts Robertson playing with Domi you know you're going to give some back defensively with those guys out there but as we saw in the Tampa game, they also like the, the, the goal sequence. I, I encourage people if they don't remember, like go back and watch that shift and watch how they control kind of that, that one quadrant of the offensive zone. And it's, it's a really, really, it's a nice goal, but it's just like a, it's not, it's not a beautiful goal, but it's like a really nice sequence of like controlling play in the offensive zone, making some really nice passes when there's not a lot of room to work with. You know, Domi makes a couple really good plays with the puck. Robertson gets that shot off like lightning quick, and Yarncock's there at the net to finish it off. And it was a huge, huge goal in the game. And um, you know, it made you think like, okay, that that's how that's supposed to work. You know, if you if you're playing Domi with Robertson, you got a guy with a really quick, hard shot, and you got a guy that is a good setup man. And um, you know, that was. That's potentially the best play the third Leafs third line has made all season was was that one there. I guess you could go back to the game where the, the other Tampa game. Yeah, I guess would be the only other. Yeah, one. Yeah, Domi and Nyes had a couple good connections too. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say though, Jonas, now that we're yeah. we're getting into talking about um, some different guys. So I looked up 
the last four games since we did the last podcast. Uh, the Leafs have lost three of them. Uh, one of them in a shootout to Boston, but they got smoked by LA. They didn't play well. They they played okay against Boston, and it was a shootout. The big guys got them, and and Samsonov got them that point. Did not play well against Buffalo. Tampa, the game was all over the place. Um, but and you're not gonna, you probably won't get this. But guess which player was dead last in like in those four games in like the underlying metrics and um, you know like like possession and and time in the offensive zone and stuff like that. Guess who was dead last? I think was it Nice? It was. Uh, it was well, no, because the game yesterday bump, bumps him up. Oh, so including okay the last four so games, including, the last four games, yeah. Anyway, it's camp. camp. He's right there, but yeah, actually, dead last is actually Domi, twenty twenty four percent. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, James, that that really speaks to what's been the issue. Well, part of the issue with those bottom two lines is not only are they not scoring, like they're spending all the time in their own zone. So it's just it's just like. You hear Matthews after the game against Buffalo talk about like we haven't really had a game. I'm paraphrasing him. We haven't really had a game where it's all four lines going. It's because like they, they can't do that. Like they get they can if they can even get those first two lines going, which has happened fairly often. It's like everything dies when they go to those other two lines because they just end up playing in their own end all the time. Right. Like do you so do you think that this can work? Domi third line center with whoever like. Are you optimistic? Are you sort of optimistic? Uh, not optimistic? I'm, pessimistic? Is that the word? If, I mean, if they can break through and and give you a goal once in a while, then I think you you live with some of what they take away. I, I de- that's that's what the trade off is going to have to be. Um, yeah, but like like you know, like Domi's numbers are are brutal through this stretch, and and I'm not talking just about the offense. I'm talking about like. He he's getting filled in when he's on the ice, and his defensive play has always been a problem for him in the NHL. It's why he's bounced around so much. You know, he's he's a lot. You know, Galchenyuk was the same kind of boat when the he he's you know. I know Domi had a good year last year, but he was on a dead team that finished basically dead last and and played a lot. Um, but when he fit in well in Dallas, you know, they were using him at third line center at times. So. I think that if you can find a way to heavily shelter that line, I think that that's what you're going to have to do. And now the trouble, like you, you, but you also want to shelter the fourth line too, right? So, and you kind of want to shelter sometimes the second line too. It's like, well, can't shelter everyone. That one goal against, um, like I said, everyone was was blaming Samsonov, but the one goal against Klingberg, the one where they were, I don't know what he was doing. The one they were where they on the broadcast. They were showing, they had like the new technology showing how big his gap was. And it was like 20, 25 feet or something. It was like, like a, like a beard league gap, basically. Literally, I talked to him the day before, James, and that is what he said he needs to do better. Well, play the gap better. Manage his gap. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's almost like he doesn't. Okay. You said this to me, I think the other day, we were just like messaging back and forth. And it was like, how did this guy used to be like a top pair defenseman playing 25 minutes a night on a good team it's, against other teams' yes. top line? Like it doesn't make any sense because you watch Klingberg now and it's like, you like what? It, it's, I wonder. Well, you know what made me think that, James? Is like I was thinking ahead to the playoffs. I'm like, how are they going to be able to trust this guy in the playoffs? And then I was like, well, wait a second. It was only a few years ago that this guy was playing 25 minutes a game in the playoffs, putting up like a point a game. Like what the hell? Like, it's not that long ago, and like I wrote about this um, not that long ago, so it's like 
something I've been thinking about, but it, you look at him and now and you're just like, how are they going to be able to trust him? Because his, his decision-making is just like, I, it's just, I don't know. Like it's, how would you describe it? It's like, it's Gardner-esque, but like worse. Like, Yeah, I can't remember a defenseman that they've had like this that's just kind of like, his teammates don't know what he's going to do on the ice. Like he's just kind of all over the place. But the gap thing, I wonder, like sometimes you see that with as players, like if you get older and you have a hard time, you don't have the same skating yeah. and speed ability. And sometimes you're you're leaving those big gaps because you, you're not confident that you'll be able to close the gap if you come up closer on a on a player coming in. And um, I know you did that big story on him. Like, did was were injuries a factor? Like, it, he's a guy that nope. He's not. He's not nope. like a. He's not like a big. He's really durable. Yes, guy. that's he's, the thing. He's James. skinny. Like he's he's a rail. He's skinny. Yeah, yeah. He's very very skinny. Like when I talked to Ken Hitchcock for that story, he was like, "We were using him against top lines. He was killing penalties." I'm like, my mind is like, like I knew this stuff like from a distance, but it's like he was playing against top lines. He was killing penalties. Like you look at them right now, they have all these injuries, or they have McCabe and, and Logan out, two penalty killers. They're using Lagasin like on their penalty kill. Like they're not even like he's not even a consideration to kill penalties. They use Benoit in that Tampa game when they needed another defenseman. Like he's not a consideration. They don't want to use him defensively in any situation. And then it's just like you look at some of these numbers, James, and I was gonna ask you this. You just look at the team and you look at like some of the underlying metrics. I can't remember a time when they had so many guys playing like serious minutes who just have numbers like this like Klingberg is at 41% expected goals Chirdano 41% Domi 41% Jake McCabe 43% well like Jonas let me go let me go through the list yeah. players that are under 40% over the last four games on the t- okay. on their team like they, they've they've been filled in the last four games pretty well like the we were talking about if you go back to the last podcast eight nine days ago we were talking about their their issues with puck possession and meaning maintaining control and winning the battle in terms of shots on goal and and scoring chances and things like that we were talking about that and then they just put up four games where it was a problem in all four games um yeah morgan riley under 40 percent right now and he's had a good season but i'm just saying the last four games nylander's under 40 percent brody's under 40 percent holmberg's under 40 percent Tavares, Bertuzzi, Gregor, Klingberg is at 29. Wow. Nick Robertson, 29 in the one game he played. Giordano, 25%. Camp, 25%. And Domi, like I said wow. earlier, last is at 24%. They're, they're, they're getting filled in with those players on the ice. I mean, like, like I said, it's a different game when uh, Matthews and Marner out there. And, I, and I, we should, in positive corner, we should have talked about Marner because Marner was outstanding in the, uh, in the Tampa game. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. Marner looked like the way they need him to look. Well, you've been asking me, and and I think it's a it's a really good question and something I will need to dig into more. Why are they so much worse defensively? And to me, like the simple answer is, well, they've just added a bunch of not really good defensive players. It can't just be that. No. I don't think, but I I think it is a lot that like when you add how many not good defensive players slash not good right is bad for that stuff. I mean, we haven't talked about Ryan Reeves. He plays four and a half minutes in that Tampa game. Keith just like stopped playing him midway through that oh. game and started. I, I liked what he did. Like he started using Yarncroft there, and suddenly that was like 
he could kind of get the the camp of old back where he could kind of bury them and they could have just like these nothing shifts. I think if he, it's a close game, I think that's what they're going to have to do because he's just, he's been so brutal. He's just given up, given so much back all season. I mean, that you can't have a guy that's never on the ice for a goal for, what's he been on for eight or nine against? Eight. Yeah. And he barely plays. He's been on the ice for eight that's goals against thing. in 12 games and he plays like, what's what's he averaging this year? He, he he hardly plays. He's played ninety one minutes at even strength, and he's been on for eight yeah. goals against. Like that's got to be last that's in bad. the league in terms of like goals against per minute. So his last shift comes with about eight minutes left in the second. What do you think happens here? Like, what do you think they do? Do you think they just keep playing him? Do they think? Do you think they scratch him? My bold prediction is that Reeves is on waivers this year, based on how he's playing okay. right now. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's it, that's one of those things that. It really depends on. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing for the GM. It's uncomfortable for the player. It's he's got a three-year deal. Yeah, he does, yeah. Or I guess they could try and trade him and see if someone wants him. And if he didn't have the three-year deal, like if it was a one-year deal, you could easily just trade him or waive him, and someone would claim him. It's the the term is going to be a real problem for him. Yeah, I don't know if they like. Did they scout Reeves? Like, it's almost like they they signed Reeves based on how he played four years ago or something like he's he's just not well, i mean he was factor. the first signing on july 1st which is like was mind-blowing is mind-blowing still but yeah he's, he's just not i mean i guess the only thing like i look back to i wrote about him last week so um i look back to last year and this is like exactly what happened in new york uh he played 12 games they got destroyed when he was on the ice they started scratching him. They never played him again. They traded him to Minnesota and things went like better for him in Minnesota. Like not amazing. Like he is what he is, but he wasn't like a, a huge drain on everything. Like he's, he's been here. So I guess they can hope for that, but like, it's not like he, like he's 36. He's going to be 37 in January. I wonder James, if we see at some point the slow transition to it's a second night of a back-to-back. We're going to give him the night off, quote-unquote. And it's like, we're going to start this where we're just... Keith is just going to be like, I'm just not going to play him. And then it'll get to the point where you, that you're talking about where he gets waived. What are you going to do, though? I mean, right now they're carrying seven defensemen. They don't have an extra forward on the team, right? So, right. like... Yeah, right. I, you know, I, I'd have to double-check what the roster rules are when they go to Sweden. I think they're allowed to bring some extra players. Um, they're allowed to bring an extra goalie for sure. Um, that's not against the cap, but they haven't. And, and Timmons is going to be back at some point. Lilgren will be back at some point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, right now, while you have a little bit of cap space, it might make sense to, you know, it, I, I believe McMahon is back, right? Like, I think he's healthy down in, with the Marlies. Like, it might make sense to bring him up and play him on the fourth line and just see if it you get some different energy there. At least while you're home, you can go... You can go down to six defensemen, right? Like you could carry an extra forward, right? Well, and, and like if you had McMahon, Gregor, and Camp, at least that's a line that could skate, that can potentially control play a little bit, maybe get you the odd goal. Um, well, at least it's a yeah, line it's, that's it's not, not going to be allowing eight goals in twelve games, despite barely playing. So right now, yes. in terms of, uh, yeah, expected goals at least are twenty sixth in the league at five on five right now. Like if that doesn't turn around, I know everyone like they came back and they they've come back and they've rescued some of these crappy games that they've played, but yep. the underlying numbers are worse for this team than we have seen. When's the last? This is like Carlisle days. No, uh, 
Like in terms of some of those numbers, I think. Let me double. Yeah, I mean the Carlisle, like they were they were setting records some of those teams, but I bet you that they haven't had numbers. <clears throat> I bet you they haven't had possession and uh, expected goals numbers this bad over a twelve game stretch. And I don't have this in front. I should ask actually Dom or Shana what the. I bet you they haven't had a twelve game stretch this bad since before they had Austin Matthews. Is my guess. Maybe I'm yeah. Maybe that fifteen sixteen season when they were yeah not trying to be good yeah exactly yeah that's a, that's a long time I mean maybe I'm wrong maybe there's one or two stretches in there like I know the the thing that everyone's pointing back to or not everyone so people who are defending the Leafs and that they still exist out there are saying that you know they started last year bad they had a bad record last year they didn't win a lot of games early on last year and then they turned it on and they turned it around and and they did. And obviously they played really, really well from whatever it was, November 1st on kind of thing. They were one of the best teams in the league. So people are waiting for that switch to be flipped. But the difference for me is you look at, it's not just what the record is. Like we don't, we're not just looking at, oh, they're six, four and two. That's not very good. We're looking at like what's under the hood and just watching the games. Like they're failing the eye test in so many of these games where they're just, in their own end so much and and turning the puck over so much and you know i said this to you the other day one of the one story we need to do is like what what is going on like in in the defensive end why are they spending so much time in their zone i mean for a team this talented with Aunt matthews and marner on it so i don't i again i don't have this number in front of me but overall on the season you know it's around 45% for expected goal share Imagine what that number is with without Matthews on the ice. Like the, the you know, yeah. they're like they're going to yeah. be in like San Jose Sharks territory. Well, so I went to Evolving Hockey and I pulled up the last ten seasons. The only season worse in terms of expected goals, and again, they've only played twelve games. Was the fourteen fifteen Leafs? Only season, like even the fifteen sixteen team was around fifty percent. Do you remember what fourteen fifteen was? I'll never forget that. Yeah, I have it in front. Yeah, forty. No, but 44%. do you remember what happened that season? Like, <laughs> oh yes, I do. Yeah, I do. That was that was the year that my son was born, and he was born like right in the middle of the season, and it was like in the Horacek era, and they finished that season winning eleven of fifty one games. Eleven of fifty one. Like that is it's not good. Do you want to know an alarming stat that I'm just looking now a little bit more at these numbers, James? So in that 14, 15, 16 season, they gave up 2.6 expected goals per 60. Okay. Uh-huh. This year, that number is 3.01. Yeah. That is like, wow, that's alarming. And like, you know, goal scoring and expected goals are up from that season. Like it's it's a really you know as I said earlier, you know the the Leafs are scoring three point four goals a game, and that's eleventh in the NHL. Like there's there's a lot of offense right now in the league, but they're so porous defensively. And one of the characteristics and one of the things that we've used as a defense before for for Sheldon Keefe is the team has been pretty airtight defensively like they've had some really yep. good stretches even last year remember last year they had all the defensemen hurt and they were down to that was november that's yeah. why they were like people are looking at that year and being like well they'll turn around they again they were excellent defensively yeah. and they had good defensive players they don't have that this year yeah and to your point james like offensively so i'm looking now at the expected goal number offensively the only teams that were worse in terms of producing expected goals than this team 
the 15, 16 team and the 14, 15 You mean, team. so they're not even, even like, strength, right? At five on five. Yeah. yeah. So like, they're not, they're, the quality of their offense obviously has suffered as well. Yeah. With some of the personnel. I mean, that's, that's been the tricky part is they brought in one dimensional players. I was mentioning this to masters. We were texting during the game. They brought in one dimensional players who aren't really even that great at the one dimension. And so if you're not getting that one, well, dimension, they haven't, that's sort of, okay. they're, they're supposed to be good at it. Like, Supposed Domi to be, and Bertuzzi are supposed to be yeah. good offense. Klingberg's supposed to be good offensively, but yeah, you're right. Like they're not; they haven't been able to outproduce offensively. I thought this, I thought they were going to score more goals, give up more goals, be a really exciting team to watch, have lots of lead changes, and some of that is true. But there's just a lot under the hood with this team right now. It's like it's it's ugly, and it's it's early, so you have to give the and Keith has figured these things out in the past where he's been able to get the team to play better defensively. Um, but they're, they're in a situation where, you know, you lose like Lilgren and it's, you know, the flip side to what I was talking to earlier about guys on the bottom end, the, the number one player on the team in these metrics is, is Timothy Lilgren and he's, he's out now. So, um, who would have thought that he would be like the linchpin <laughs> of, of, of keeping keeping the team afloat, but they just, they don't have a lot of depth on defense. And it's been a bit alarming how much they've been playing Giordano. I mean, they came into the year really not wanting to do that and really wanting him to play less. And they don't have anybody they else feel to like play. They don't like, have, who are you supposed to play? They feel like they don't yeah. have a choice. So it's, um, I mean, what, what's, what's Giordano's highest minute game so far this year? Like he's had some. It was over the weekend. It was twenty two right. minutes and change. Right, and then like they forced him not to practice the next day, which <laughs> they should. Dude, because like he takes every like it's funny. Before the season, I, was t- I talked to him at camp, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna start taking some skates off and like listening to the the, the sports science guys about getting more rest." <laughs> but like then you get into the season, and your routines and everything, and like he's been in the league forever, and he's like, you know, like he just goes back to skating every day and taking every morning skate and. So it's routine. Do you know that that they went to him and said you can't skate today? Yeah. Well, I mean, Keith implied it. Yeah. That, like, they had they him like tied up they... somewhere, and they're like, "You're you're not <laughs> going on the ice right now." Like this. <laughs> tied up in his stall, and he's just trying to get off the chain, this, and he's just like, "Let me out. Let me go." This practice is is not for people over forty. That's funny, actually. They have a bouncer at the gate and just not letting people in. <laughs> uh, let's take a break, and there's a couple other things we should get into uh, before we go. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, James. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the goalies. Uh, Ilya Samsonov obviously was pulled in the Tampa game. Not happy about that, understandably. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the whole response thing um, to Brad Marchand upending Timothy Lilligren, not called a penalty. Lilligren out, obviously. How is it not a, a penalty? And like, it also, it should like... <laughs> the official was... Yeah. Should be a, I don't should know. Should be a fine or a suspension too, right? Like, it's just like... That was... That was one of those plays. Like, if that happened in a beer league game and someone did that to somebody, like, there would be a brawl on the ice. Yes. And so, nothing happened. Um, and then, shit hit the fan, kind of. Not kind of. It did. Uh, we had signals from management that they were upset and then Sheldon Keefe was said he was upset they had a meeting they talked about it I mean I was listening to the guys on overdrive on on Friday talk about it and at first I was like really like are we doing this again and like I I, I sort of understand the point like you want a team that's kind of in it with each other and if if something happens to one player you want them to defend that player I don't know if if they had jumped on Marchand, if I would think anything different about this team, really. Like, would I be going into the playoffs being like, well, in that November game, they really stood up for themselves. So I don't know if, I don't think it doesn't matter, but I don't know if it matters as much as the team has made it matter. What do you think about the whole thing? The thing is, Jonas, that it like plays into the reputation that they've established. And also they have right. a new GM who's who made, you know, there was a lot of talk about them being, you know, it's it's so funny because it feels like Groundhog Day in a different way because it reminds me of Brian Burke coming in and talking about truculence and we're going to be a hard team to play against yes. and like how you know basically the the team is too soft and like we don't you know we're not we're not in the in the bat we don't stick up for each we're other we're not in the battle yeah. and whatever and I mean when did when did Burke say truculence it was like his opening press conference in like 2009 right like it's like you know it's like 14 years ago and then Tree Living comes in as the new GM and it's like. He calls it snot or whatever, but it's basically just truculence part two, or probably even more. The sequel, probably even more parts than that. Like I think it's it's like the Jason movies we were talking about last week. Like there's you know like we're into like Jason in yeah. space now. It's like truculence in space is where we're at. But the, I mean their reputation and, and 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 part of it is the way they've played in the playoffs. Jonas is like not having a response when you're playing physical teams getting getting outplayed yeah. by Florida in round two, you know, not not showing up and not playing the way you need to play to win in the playoffs. And so much was made about, okay, so like we, we can look at what, about what they did in the offseason and so much was made about, okay, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be more physical. They've got Reeves. They've got Bertuzzi. They've got Domi who who's related to Ty, <laughs> you know, like we're, they're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to stick up for each other. We're going to, and they, they keep trying to graft new DNA onto the core of this team. Um, you know, and this isn't a new thing because this is, was talked about last year too, right? And, and the year before, it's like, we need to get Achari and O'Reilly and Shen. We need to get these playoff type players that are that are tough, that are going to battle in the corners, that are going to gonna hit people and, and change the DNA of this. That team. was a little different though. That was more about competitiveness, yeah, which I all, guess is like a cousin of this, it's right? All the same shit, Jonas. I mean, you've already sworn. So it's like, it's all, it's all different colors of the same tapestry of, of what the criticisms that people have of this team. And, you know, I think in the past you and I have, have been, have, have said that, 
too much is made of this. But like, like I said, I mean, Lilgren one have been one of your best defensemen. He's a young player. Marshawn's known. I mean, Marshawn's been suspended, I think, eight times in the NHL. He's a division rival. You've played against him. You've battled against him for years. Like somebody's got to show up and and say, "Hey, you can't do that to us." Like it just it was so it was so limp. The so I I get so if you're you know Brandon Shanahan and and Tree Living in the press box and you're watching that you know and Tree Living was alarmed at what happened and it was the exact opposite of of the big game that that he had talked about changing this team like it it it. Yeah, it obviously hasn't worked to this point. Well, I mean, part of the conversation is like that's just not who they are. Like that's just not in their nature. Like the first guy following the play is Marner. Like that Marner, like that's not who Marner is. I mean, the thing is like Mark Giordano's on the ice at that point. Like, are you gonna say he's not the kind of guy who's gonna have a response for something like that? Like I I think part of it is like I'm not like I don't know. I don't know how well you're you're tracking exactly what happens, but I guess you see it's Marshawn, you see a guy's down, you're just like, whatever. Like, I mean, the overdrive guys were talking about Tampa who, you know, just jumped all over Riley in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't know if it's their personality. And, and that's part of like what we talked about in the summer. It's like, if you think the personality of the team is not right, you should be trading one of the important people at the top of the roster because that's where it comes from. Like if that's, if you think that really matters, then you, you adding Ryan Reeves, who's going to play six minutes a game, isn't going to do anything. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't think it doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters as much as they make it, they've made it out to matter. It's just, I think you're right. It's representative, right? Yeah. It's been a criticism of this team for years and years and years and years. Yeah, you punch them and they you punch them in the face and they just kind of turn the other cheek and like keep keep going and yeah. I mean I I mean it, it part of it does feel like kind of like antiquated hockey thinking in some ways and yet I get it based on what's happened in the playoffs. Like if they had won, let's say they had gone to the conference final or whatever and lost. It, I don't think it would be as much of a thing, but they have all this this history of like when shit happens to them they don't respond and and so you add this to it and it's like oh here we go again like it's the same thing not only but, that but it's running up against like tough physical teams in the playoffs and and wilting you know right yeah like florida kind of pushed them around well let's see so let's sort of. you know let's say there's a dirty play on the ice which of the five primary maple leafs that have been here the longest which of them is most likely to punch someone in the face. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Riley, Nylander. Like most of those guys, it would, it would just would never happen. Yeah. It's not their personality. Like, and well, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, like, like a lot of them are like, like other than Marner, like those are all like big, strong guys. Like they, they're, they're physically capable of doing it. You're right. Personality. is not there. That's not who they are. I mean, I, I guess what the problem I had with that, like the show that kind of became it afterward where, I mean, I guess it's not a show, they're just answering questions, but it's like, if something had happened in that Buffalo game, like what, what would I have thought about that? It's just like, is that just a response because they've been kind of embarrassed or, or humbled or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, is it real? 
Well, I mean, the coach thought it was a problem. The GM thought it was a problem. Yeah. The 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 front this front office identified what they that they feel this is a problem that they need to fix. I mean, all of these things you can go back through this whole podcast, Jonas, and you can everything we're talking about here. It it all speaks to something's going to have to change with the roster. You know, I know I know people are talking about. I've seen on social media Leafs fans talking about Sheldon Keefe's job. Is he in trouble? We should talk about that for a second because, like, I don't know what he's supposed to do. You, if, like, I don't know what any coach can do with, with these puzzle pieces as they are. Do you? Well, yeah, and then you get the injuries on defense, and and and, and you get the struggles in goal from from your guy who was supposed to be your number one. And but also, yeah. I mean, they just extended him. You know, he's got a bunch of term. They yeah. committed to Keefe being their guy. I, that can change, right? But he's got three years, right? Like he's got this season and two more after that. Yeah, and and one of the things that's come that came out of all the stuff that happened in the off season with the front office and the GM change and everything was that I had heard is that the the ownership wasn't happy with having to pay Babcock out for as long as they did. I mean, Babcock had an eight year deal and they fired him in the beginning of the fifth year, so they were paying him big money for almost four years, are they going to be willing to eat that for Keefe right now? I don't think so. I don't think a coaching change is coming. What I think is coming and what probably needs to come is some really interesting changes to the roster. And I don't think they can afford, if they keep playing like this, they can't afford to wait to the trade deadline. They're going to have to get on it early. And How do they do that? I mean, you, you, you put people on waivers or you trade them other places and you acquire other players. Do you think there's going to be like a, like, let's say you wanted to trade, I don't know, pick one of those guys. Well, yeah, but makes you you dump them with a future asset to a bad team. They don't have a lot of future assets. Like how, they didn't want to trade apparently stuff at the deadline last year. I mean, they did trade a lot of stuff, but they didn't want to go like all the way. Do they are now they're gonna like do that to get rid of players? And well, like, I'm not even talking about I mean, making a blockbuster, Jonas. I'm just talking about like. If it's not working, like just getting rid you know, of him? like it's like when remember when they got rid of Nick Ritchie, like just like you might be just d- dumping yeah, to pay a pick. You might just be dumping somebody. The benefit yeah, of that yeah. is you change the mix, uh, you create potentially some more cap space, or you get back a different player. I mean, and sometimes when you make a trade like this, Jonas, you're you're not even looking to trade these players for someone who's necessarily better. You're just looking for someone different. You're looking for someone who can come in and, and be a little bring something a little bit different to the table. So maybe you're not maybe well, you're not trading like a Klingberg or a Domi for someone who's necessarily on paper way better. You're bringing in for someone who brings a different element to your team, right? Like let's get someone who can like kill yeah, penalties or exactly. like help us defensively yeah, or like who can play center. Like <laughs> yeah, who, who doesn't? It's almost turn hard to see that that was going to be a someone problem. on defense who doesn't turn the puck over half the time. You know, like. I think it's getting close to the point where they're going to have to really look hard at accelerating the timeline for when they were, were going to make acquisitions. This team was always going to add people at the trade deadline, but I think what their play right now signifies is that they should start trying to do something significant relatively soon. Okay, well, so let me, before we, we get out of here, let's say Calgary is like, you know what, like, 
our team isn't good. We're old. We're, I mean, they have a lot of bad contracts. We're done. Like, we'll, we'll start listening to offers. What are you offering for, for let's say, Noah Hannafin or Chris Tanev or Zadorov? Like, what is the, what's, what's the glitzy thing that you can be like, you guys should have this? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know what the asking price is going to be, but how glitzy does it need to be if you're, if you're getting like Calgary's fifth defenseman? But those aren't the, like, those are top. I mean, they're, I guess one of them is, uh, like outside the top let's four. Let's say you want to, yeah, let's say you want to trade for Zadorov. You know, he makes okay. three, seven, five. Make it worth, like, you have to make it worth their while. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Like, they'll just wait to the deadline, get more. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess that's part of the problem. You don't want to overpay, though, right? Like, just because. But what I'm you're saying, right. Jonas, is just change the mix. Like, don't go, you're not going for a home run. I mean, it could even be a team that's got another struggling player, and you trade your struggling player for that struggling player, and you switch things up. Maybe it's what they call a "quote unquote" hockey trade, and you're not trading. With, <laughs> you're not trading with a, a bottom feeder guy. I mean, okay, yeah. so they've got their first round pick they could trade. They've got a third round pick, fourth round pick. They have three fifth round picks, a sixth round pick, and two seventh round picks. That's a lot of picks. They've traded a lot of picks over the years. Yeah, but I'm, that's what they have for 2024. 2025, they do not have very much for picks. So it would have to be some 2024 picks. And you go to a team, as often is the case, if you're trading with a rebuilding team, you say, we want to trade with you. We want X defenseman or X forward. Um, we'll give you one of our guys who's struggling, who you can flip at the trade deadline. Yeah, you know what, James? Like Maybe you go to a team, like I look at Ferraro in, in San Jose, who's got some term on his contract. Young ish, like I think he's twenty five. Uh three two five. Yep. And then you you say, you know what, we'll give you Klingberg, just an example, and we'll give you we'll give you a good prospect, we'll give you a pick, or like we'll we'll make it worth your Randomly while. Randomly picking a player from the least roster potentially to trade. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. Of course it does. Um but like maybe you can find someone who can actually help you beyond this year. Like you can kind of make a bigger trade. So if you're going to give good assets, this was like a dubious thing at times. Let's try to get Jake Muzzin, who has another year left on his contract, as opposed to rental X. Yeah. I mean, if you're dumping one of these guys to one of those bad teams, you can say to them like, I mean, and they, you know, they can flip them at the deadline. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I just think that it's, it's getting late early for the way that this team's playing. Like they're they're so lucky that they've won some of the games that they've won. It's been like last minute comebacks. Yeah, like they should have lost that Montreal game if not for Matthews. They should have lost that game to At Tampa, some point Matthews is going to stop putting up a hat trick every 3 games. Like it's just, you know, like <laughs> the law of averages say that it's not sustainable what he's doing. So either the supporting cast is going to have to start scoring more, or they're going to have to start playing better defensively and Failing that, they, they've they've got to change their roster. They they have to because I don't, I don't see them going the coach route. Things would have to be really bad. The only thing I would say with that, James, is it's easier for them to do that than it is what you're talking about. I don't think so. Which is why coaches tend to get fired. I mean, I don't think it's that hard to trade a third line forward to ch change up your roster. Like, I don't think that that's okay. Yeah, you may, that's that's fair. So th right now the Leafs have the they're tied for the thirteenth best record in the league. They're, and and you know there's some good teams in that. Like they're tied with Tampa and Carolina right now. Florida's just barely ahead of them. I mean it's it's early, but if they're going to be a forty whatever 
95% possession team. Well, let me ask you this before we close. Uh, over under 99.5 points for them this year. Yeah. I mean, I still say over, but, you know, the it's, it's yeah, it's in the possibility now that they're... And, and that's like a bubble team now in the NHL. I mean, that's like a low-seeded playoff team. Yep. But that's what they that's what they look like right now though, Jonas. Like they don't they they look like a team that's they look like the thirteenth or fourteenth best team in the league right now. And that's with their big guys producing offense. So Travis Yost at TSN had a great piece that people should go see and it basically looked at the production from the Leafs top four players and the production of everyone else, and the top four players is better than it's been in six years. You can't ask for more offensively from those guys. You can't like they're they're maxed out. Yeah. That's what was so concerning to me is like they had this record despite their best players all being pretty good. Like Marner obviously has come around in the last couple games. Um so next week, James, I will be in Sweden. Joshua Cloak and I will both be in Sweden for the Athletic. The Leafs will play the wings on the seventeenth. At 2 p.m. Eastern. I don't know. What you haven't time been to Sweden, Sweden, right? And then they'll. I have not. I'm very excited. And then they play the Wild at 8 a.m. Eastern on the 19th, which is a so Sunday. for you and for anyone that's listening. When you're in Stockholm, you got to go to the Vasa Museum. You got to put aside like four or five hours because it's one of the most incredible museums I've ever been to in my life. Really? Okay, that sounds good. You don't? You haven't heard of it? No. They pulled a giant Viking ship. Or a Viking. I mean, what like a ship from like the 1500s was was in the harbor in the bottom, and they pulled it out of the bottom of the ocean and restored it. And the museum is just built around this ship. It's that sounds amazing. It's unbelievable. You'll love it. You'll love it. It's it. It's probably the best museum I've ever seen. All right. Well, we have not planned this in detail, but I think we'll probably record either on the 15th or the 16th. While I'm in Sweden, we'll have to figure out the time uh, with the change over there. But we'll figure it out. It's possible. You'll like, be, you can do it, right? You'll be recording huh? in the middle of the night over there. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not very good with the European jet lag. And when I went to Stockholm 10 years ago, I remember like sitting and working. You know, I was like transcribing stuff in my hotel room at like 3 in the morning because I couldn't sleep because my like time was so screwed up. So I, I hope hopefully you do better than that. Well, I will say, uh, you know this, we've got some cool stories coming for Sweden. So stay tuned for that. Excellent. The William Legison deep dive is, is coming. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> that actually might be this week, by he's, the way. Uh, he's Swedish. Go to theathletic.com slash safe report uh, to sign up for The Athletic if you haven't tried it out. Uh, that's it. James, enjoy the rest of your week. Everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks to Punch, our producer, and goodbye.